From broke to building and selling several multi-million dollar lifestyle companies, today's Women of Impact is a force to be reckoned with. The infomercial queen, she sold over 6 million fitness videos and holds the Guinness Book of World Records for having starred in the most fitness videos ever. Yep, she was bench pressing a ton of success, one after another. But all of that comes at a price. She was clocking 90 hour work weeks and the thought of taking any time off led to crippling guilt and the feeling of unworthiness. Suffering from steady decline in health, including brain fog, mood swings and chronic pain and injuries, her definition of health was coming into question. So, like Trinity, she plugged into the matrix and downloaded knowledge from the leading researchers, doctors and scientists on everything from nutrition to metabolism, leaky gut, hormone balance and disease. Her world glitched and in turn changed the course of her life forever. Now, a business coach, serial entrepreneur, celebrity fitness trainer, and New York Times best-selling author of Push and author of the smash hit 131 Method, she is helping tens of millions of people around the globe transform their bodies and their lives. So please help me in welcoming the woman Huffington Post recognized as one of the top 50 female entrepreneurs to watch in 2017, the host of two top-ranked podcasts with over 20 million downloads, the diet debunker herself, Shailene Johnson. <laughs> Thank you so much for Welcome having me. Welcome to the show, girl. I'm excited. So what I want to start is talk to me about the feeling of unworthiness because there's so many people I think that feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that actually lent to your burnout. Yeah. When I think about it, it's not even unworthiness so much as unqualified. Like not good enough. I know some people think of unworthy, but that word for me really is like, I'm not qualified to be here Mm. and and someone's gonna find out. And so I'm gonna overdo it, you know, I'm, I'm gonna go above and beyond so that no one questions that I deserve mm. to be here. So the, the, the thing that ultimately made me the best known, which was fitness, was not something I ever intended to be my thing. Even today, I don't think it's my life's purpose. It was an opportunity to get us out of debt. It was the thing that I became known for because I, I had five bus- different businesses at once. And I'm like, I've got to get focused. I need to pick one. This one, I see an opportunity. These others that I'm perhaps even more interested in are bankrupting us, mm. so let me focus on this. And because it wasn't like my life's mission, passion, it wasn't my, what my degree was in, I always felt like, oh gosh, people are gonna find out that like this isn't my thing. But oh. all my life, I've always um, worked to prove that I have value to anyone, and that if I ever took a break, you know, that would all surface. Mm. So what were the steps you had to take in order to overcome that? The steps were um, recognizing that it wasn't a badge of honor to be a workaholic, you know. It was, Mm. and hearing it from my husband, it was really an ultimatum from him. I'm deep in this addiction to work, which I don't realize is an addiction. I just think it's like, I'm just, I'm harder working than most people, right? Like I thought it was an honor. And the way that he dealt with it was to keep himself busy and distract himself and he was gambling Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize it. And so it's the perfect storm where you've got one person who needs to make money and be able to justify it and another person who's burning through it and in their own addiction. So we each had these addictions and I discovered his gambling 
like a detective, you know, like mm -hmm. I had my receipts, I had the, you know, I was doing all the phone records, like before I confronted him, before I sat him down on the couch and said, okay, listen, here's what I know. I spent a couple of weeks figuring out like, okay, so now I know this has happened. What am I going to do without talking to him? Okay. We've got two children. We have these businesses. We have mountains of debt that I didn't realize because I stuck my head in the sand in that regard. And, um, so now I'm going to confront him with this. And if he says this, I do this. If he says this, I do that. So I always say to people, don't fear the unknown, imagine it. Mm. And then you know yourself. So depending on which outcome, just you know what you'll do and have a plan. And so that's what I did. And I sat him down and told him what I needed for him to do. And the way that he responded was, I'm going to therapy, but you're going to therapy too. And I was like, for what? <laughs> I'm just all perfect over here, just working hard, you know? And I really did feel very righteous when I went to therapy at first. Like, oh, just wait till you hear this story. I'm going to be your favorite client, you know? And I, I really did learn that my addiction might be more socially acceptable, but we are both in our addiction. That's really interesting. Why do you think it's more socially acceptable? And what are the things that were breakthroughs for you to then change that mindset? Realizing that each of our addictions were e equally destructive. Hmm. That each of our addictions were a way to escape, a way to prove our value. That each of our addictions were a way to disconnect from other people, to numb ourselves, to feel validated, to feel or not feel. And that I had to figure out, like, why do I feel this way? Like, I had to, if someone just said work less, I would still be who I was. I had to get to the root of why do I feel that way? Why do I not feel good enough? I could not go see a movie or take a Saturday off or sit on the couch. And I would tell myself, okay, if you sit there and watch a movie, you better be working in your head or you're going to be a waste of a person. Like I would pretend to be engaged or pretend to be relaxed because mm. uh, I didn't know how to be anything but that. And I think one of the most important steps to growth is personal responsibility. Like you have to take responsibility for your own stuff, you know, and, and I wasn't going to grow. Everything in my life was going to be the same unless I realized my own responsibility in that. And, um, that was hard Yeah, because it's much more fun to blame. Right. Easier for sure. Yeah. How do you then take that responsibility and not let it erode you as a person and how you see yourself? Because I know a lot of people do, right? They'll beat themselves up and yeah. then it erodes their credibility or even the credibility with themselves and mm. their own confidence. Yeah. Um, I find extremely empowering. I do too. But is that how you felt at the time as well? Or did you I have to... I don't know that I thought about it, but every when you said that just now, I think about times even recently where I've had like a kind of a breakthrough something I'm re it's always I'm really upset with other people and then I realize like oh wait that's me <laughs> you know <laughs> and then I always feel like so I'm like hey guess what it was me yeah. like it feels better yeah when you realize that like it does feel really empowering because now you have an answer before then you're just like frustrated like why like I hate it mm -hmm. when I hear people say like everyone walks all over me it's like well no everyone does it like you're allowing that you know, and that's the only thing I can control is really me, you know. I don't know if he'll slip back into addiction at any point, uh, but I know myself, and that's all that I can, that's all that I can control. Yeah. 
Oh God, I love that. All right, so many things there. Let's <laughs> talk about the boundaries because how yeah. do you then set those boundaries? Um, one of my um, very good friends, Erin, who actually put us into yes. contact, I kept saying, I want to get her on the show. I want to get her on the show. And she kept saying to me, she takes what she what she says yes to very seriously. Mm. And I was like, well, what do yeah. you mean? Yeah. And she's like, she has her priorities. She politely says no to a lot of things. Yeah. And so I kept saying, like, have you asked? She's like, yep, she's politely said no. She's yeah. politely said no. And I was like, I so respect this woman. Oh, oh wow. my God. Because you seem to, and I'd love to actually know if it's true, but you seem to know what you want, what your priorities are in life, and then yeah. everything else is just fat that you're trimming. Yep. Yeah. Um, talk me through that because that's something that I'm really trying to work on right yeah. now and I so admire you for doing that. Well, thank you for asking. I, I'm passionate about this because I needed it. First of all, my attention, I have ADD, so I, I want to do everything. Everything seems like a great idea uh, <laughs> and a new idea and um, I love people and I love to make money. What? So like all these things are really detrimental to someone who needs to stay grounded um, so we started by creating together, my husband and I, what we called a priority clarity statement. Ooh. And I think people say, well, my family's my priority or this is my priority. What we like to do is go in this season of our lives, what area do it, that's really important to us is the most off and we need to get it right. And we write out the clarity. So like, what does that mean? What is it we're trying to right. honor? And what would be to dishonor it? So when this happened, we sat down and we made a priority clarity statement and it had great specificity that we were done working at 3 p.m., that we, um, we had people working in our home, but we, everyone had to leave at 2.45 before the kids came home from school, that we didn't work on the weekends, that every contract I negotiated, we would decline the contract if it was required of me to do a certain number of appearances. I would only do two appearances a year, um, that we would only do a certain number of projects, that I would only do one what we call big thing a month. Mm -hmm. And a big thing might be to travel and speak. A big thing might be to just stay home, but I'm, I'm going deep into research. That's a big thing that takes me away. Mm -hmm. So we agree we would only do one big thing a month that would take less than like three or four days. Mm -hmm. um, we had very specific policies on our children and, and each other. We had policies around dates. We had policies around conversations, money, um, everything and a lot of it was things was like wow that's gonna be hard but this what would be a lot harder is not being with you and not having this and that's where you started implementing these kind of rules let's say of yeah. like, I'm only gonna work until three yep. um, how did you then weigh your options because I'm sure for someone that's used to work in 90 hours a week right and in your head it's like but if I don't work this much, I can't get the empire I'm trying to build. If right. I don't do this, I'm... how did you weigh those options? Of yeah. like, it probably did slow your business down, I assume. For sure, yeah. Um, how did you emotionally work through that? Yeah. Because it's something that I know a lot of people deal with, and especially even myself. Yeah. So once we had this, which I recommend people do, like create a priority statement in writing. Because every time an opportunity presents itself, you're like, well, this once. Mm -hmm. Well, this isn't going to happen again. You know, I'm only 25 once. Or, you know, we're only going to be in France once. Like you think these things like, well, and if we do this now, then later. So once we had a statement, it was, and I'm a yes person, it was so easy to go and read the clarity statement and go, oh, it doesn't fit. It's so easy to say, thank you so much for thinking of me, but unfortunately I can't. And until then, every decision felt like a yes. And so 
I had to say, what's more important, my career? What is important to me? And it was in writing, you know, because I, I, I knew what it felt like to almost lose all that. Mm-hmm. And I, I can lose my business, take all my money away, take my car, take, take it all away. I can, I can build it back because I believe in myself. I believe in bun, abundance. Like it, my, the blessings are so abundant, they just keep raining down. Too much for me to deal with, I gotta give them away. So that's one thing I don't need to worry about. But what I do need to carefully covet and protect is my time because I can't get more of that. Mm. And once we had the statement, it was like, wow, I know why I'm saying no, you know? Yeah, I love that so much. You said um, something about control, and I just heard your podcast on letting go. So talk to me about that because (laughs) it's like as I'm listening to the podcast about your your control and letting go, I'm like, yes, yes. But I still want to control. And it's like, yes, you've got to let go. But talk to me about that because Mm. it seems like you're saying let go, let things, you know, come to you. But at the same time, you're going through your rules, which seem very controlling. Mm. So um, how do they coexist? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I, I don't have it all figured out. What I've learned is that I can control me. Everything outside of me I can't control. But I still... You know, like there's a, a photo shoot. That's not my photo shoot going on in my house today. And uh, I just stopped by to see how things were going. It's not my photo shoot. I'm not the talent. I'm not the photographer. I'm not the director. And I still walked in and was like, you know, what if you guys turned his hips a little bit that way? And if you move, and I'm like, what am I doing? But it's because I have a creative eye for things. I have a, a way that I see things could be. And that's the part I still sometimes struggle with mm-hmm. because I know what I want things to look like. And I think it's a gift. I just have to learn that sometimes I'm going to be able to exercise those things or make them happen, and sometimes I'm not. And when I can't, I just have to let it, allow it to happen. How do you actually do that? So let's say you're <laughs> in the moment, and you're like, okay, you can't control this. How do you handle that specifically yeah. when you're in that moment? Like, what do you tell yourself? I say it's okay to say it, okay. but I might not get my, what it is. I, I'll, okay. I'm like a suggestion where in the past... I used to think it has to be this way. And now, especially with the more success I want to have and time, the more I have to let other people's vision be what I end up with. Otherwise, I have to micromanage everyone, and then I don't have any time. If I really want to live this life that I want to live, where I'm making more passive income and empowering other people to do things better than me, I have to let them do it. Otherwise, I'm not living that life. And, and so it's just perspective and, and learning. It just doesn't serve me. It makes me sick. It makes me anxious. It's so detrimental to my health. Mm-hmm. So I'm just learning. Mm-hmm. Just being better. Not great at it, but getting better. Yeah. Talk to me about your health and how all of that spiraled. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't know my health was spiraling. I thought there was something wrong with my brain. So with my podcast, I had a, a guest on. Um, who is a a neurologist, and he said, you know, afterwards we were chit-chatting and I was sharing with him some of the symptoms I was having. I was just so easily distracted and I couldn't get work done, so I had to like lock myself away literally in a closet. And he said, you know, that's not normal. I'm like, it's not? He said, no, why don't you come in and have your brain scanned? So I did. Now at the time, I had a number one infomercial uh, I was at the height of my fitness career. I was teaching 10 classes a week. I was designing new workout programs. 
Um, I was the leanest I'd ever been. And I went and had my brain scanned and I had my hormone panel done and I had a nutrition panel done. And I sat across the desk from Dr. Amen and he just said, I know what you do, but you're not healthy. And I was like, you want to check the results? Are you sure those are mine? Do you know what I do? Like, right, what? Right, right, right. You've well, seen what, me, right? What suggestion could you possibly have for yeah. me, you know? And they was kind of going through the checklist, like, well, have you recently done chemotherapy? Do you have a history of uh, drug use or head trauma? And, and I had, so I had some pretty serious concussions as a kid. But the appearance of my brain had this dimpling that is very um, similar to people who have, you know, like a chemical dependency or have brain damage. And I'm like, well, what is this from? He's like, well, we should, we should really find out. Let's send you for sleep study. Let's do, do all these things. And really the bottom line is it was all self-induced. It was running on three hours of sleep. It was restricting my diet so carefully. It was, um, I was afraid of real food. It wasn't even that I was afraid of real food. I didn't know what to eat other than to listen to what all the other fitness folks were saying to eat. And I lived on bars and processed protein cookies and processed shakes. And I just never ate real food, to be frank. Very rarely ate real food. I couldn't control that. You know what I mean? Like if it was packaged, I knew. And then, I, you know, low fat, lower calories. So I was over-exercising, under-eating, um, not eating the right, not eating anything really that was truly real. And then no sleep. And in the process, I just had, was destroying my health. And it was, um, it was a real wake-up call. And it was right after I'd shot a, a video series where I, I knew I had gone too far. Really, why? Yeah. You know, here's the deal with the fitness paradigm. The more you exercise, the less effective it is, right? So knowing that, and, and in my mind, already feeling like an imposter, like I don't... I, I hope no one finds out I, I didn't study exercise science. Someone's going to call me out. There's people who are taller, prettier, leaner, fitter, more knowledgeable. You know, in order to overcome that, I was always thinking, like, I got to stay lean. I got to stay lean. And when I, I showed up to do a, a program and um, it was suggested that I get leaner so that it would be more marketable. And I was like, I'm already exercising like three hours a day. How will I do this? And I'm... I'm I, the only thing I can do now, I guess, is maybe eat less and exercise more. That was always my like, go-to, like, let's exercise more. So I, I went up to about four hours a day of exercise, which in order to do that, you got to wait and you got kids. I, and I, you don't want people to know about this mm -hmm. because then what a fraud are you if you're saying you can get these results in 30 minutes a day, mm -hmm. but it takes me four hours. You know, so I felt like a fraud. I didn't want anyone to find that out. And I knew my fitness programs were, were worked and they were transforming people's lives. I just thought it just doesn't work for me. Mm. And I can't let anyone find this out. So I would wake up at 4 a.m. to exercise for a couple of hours and then go teach a class. And then maybe, you know, say I was going to do a walk in the afternoon, but it would really be an, an hour run. And, and then just cut my calories and cut my calories and cut my calories to the point where I couldn't think. I couldn't think straight. Uh, my digestion was horrible. I was emotional. And I always knew I was like, when there might come a week where I can't spend four hours a day exercising, then what will happen? Mm. You know, so it was really learning like, I don't know what health is. I don't know what health is. I've just been listening to other so-called experts and kind of 
regurgitating and repeating what I heard people say. So I pulled myself out of health and fitness and announced it to my followers. Like, I don't have the answers for you, but I want to be transparent and tell you, I need to figure out what I've done. Because mm. if I've done this to myself and you've been trusting me, I have an obligation to find out what is, what is true health? What is it? And I set out on a mission and kind of discover for myself what it meant to be healthy. God, yeah, our stories are so similar. What would you have done differently? Or what could somebody have said to you? And this is something that I battle with. I don't know if there is anything that someone could have said to me to stop my trajectory. Mm. And in hindsight is where I see where I went wrong. Mm. So I tried to think like, what were the words someone could say or someone watching this episode or listening to this episode right this second that is feeling that they've got the pressure of being lean they're changing their diet they're working out crazy hours what are the things that you can say that Mm. can break them free i don't know if there is anything sure but is there anything for you that you think could have happened someone could have said to you whether it was your husband or something that could have prevented you from getting to that extreme in health issues yeah I know what it is for me. I don't know what it is for everyone else. For me, it is looking at science. It was easy for me to make that distinction when it came to exercise. So I could look at like a well-designed exercise program and mechanics and I would study it. Probably a lot to do with my, you know, imposter syndrome. I would be like, okay, you want me to create a strength training program? I won't look at what anyone else is doing in the industry or what anyone else trying to sell sell us. I'm going to go to the university. I'm going to look at the studies on muscle development and recovery, and I'm going to design a program around that. If someone, or if I myself had thought, maybe I should do some research Mm. on the other areas of health, like nutrition, sleep, environment, mood, um, digestion, gut health. Like if, if I had realized that that was all part of health and that health isn't something easily photographed on Instagram, in fact, it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. what you see, mm-hmm. I think that would, have been, that would have inspired me to do the research. And once I go into research mode, then I feel empowered. Right. Nothing makes me feel more calm and confident than knowledge. Mm-hmm. You're taking that control, right? Like, yeah. It's like owning, and yeah, the science is so powerful when you look at the data. Like you can't argue with data. Yeah. So you can argue about your opinion of, is it, does this look healthy right, or not? Right, right. But when someone's showing you like your brain scan, like that's just another level of fact that you can't argue. Yeah, and, and also then to be able to say, okay, so if, if I do these things, now I have a, a, a test to be able to compare my results to. Mm. I, I can know in a short period of time if I'm making improvements. I will see it mm-hmm. in a way other than the scale or other than my body fat. And it was very motivational for me to be able to go back and take another nutrition panel, to take another hormone panel, mm-hmm. to have my brain scanned again. Yeah. It was really motivating. You've mentioned um, imposter syndrome a couple of times, and yeah. I heard your podcast on it, which was fantastic. Talk to me about that, because I notice, especially women, and I don't like to bucket people, but just from my own experience, a lot of women have imposter syndrome. Yeah. What do you think it is, and then how did you feel, and how did you overcome it? Yeah, imposter syndrome is interesting, um, because it's not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, right? interesting. Like, you don't think so? No, because that's how, that's how ch- think about children when they're, they're at home, they play house. Hmm. 
right? Like you're you're playing this thing until you become that thing. You're teaching, your, you're rewiring your brain to become that thing. Um, and so we really have made it like this, oh, horrible thing that people have imposter syndrome. But I think a lot of us do. Like, you know, I, I remember when we first started making a little bit of money. And I met this woman at my son's school who lived in a big, extravagant house. And I remember going to pick up my son who had had a play date at her house. And I just remember feeling like a little bit of an imposter, but also thinking to myself, but I could get used to this. I could do this. You know, and I think that's part of imposter syndrome is realizing that, yeah, I don't feel like I am this person yet, but I'm, I'm kind of playing this part. And that's what we have to do until we become that thing, which is different from being inauthentic. Ah, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So I think in, in authenticity, you're pretending to be someone you're not versus imposter syndrome where it's like I'm, I'm stepping in and kind of playing this part of something I'm becoming or I want to be. Mm. You don't hear too many people talk about imposter syndrome when it relates to things they don't want to be. It's something you're growing towards, right? So I don't know that it's necessarily that bad. I really like that. I've never heard someone put it in that way yeah. before. I love it. Um, you seem to have just like so much guts to do things and just go for it. Is that um, natural for you or do you feel the fear and ignore it? I feel the fear for sure and I ignore it. Um, and part of this for me is something that not everybody has and I wish they did. Like I know we're supposed to get that from within and I do get it from within, but man, it's, it's amplified because I have people who are my biggest fans. Like I know no matter what I do, my husband will love it mm. no matter what. So <laughs> that's always like, I don't care if people have a problem with that, he's gonna love it because right. it's me. And my parents, you know, and, and my kids, I know that no matter what I do and how much people might disagree with it, though the people who I love the most will still love me. And, um, but I, you know, just to be honest, I wonder, because there are people who don't have those people in their life right, right now. They're out there mm -hmm. and they're probably in your life. You just haven't given them permission to serve that role. Um, but it is easier when you know you've got like a ride or die, mm. you know, whether that's your, your best friend or your mom or your aunt or your, you know, your sister, like, or your spouse, like when you have a ride or die, that's, it gives people a lot of confidence. I actually have a great quote from you and um, you posted on your Instagram about fear. Um, and it was a post that says, everything you want is on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. And your copy, you said, you are an adult. Mommy and daddy's disappointment isn't helping you. Stop allowing your fear of making yeah. a mistake and looking foolish to hold you down. The only thing that makes you look foolish is doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You must make mistakes to be successful at anything. Mm. Make it messy. You'll never know if it's the right thing if you don't try. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. How do you take those first steps? So, Because that's always the thing, right? It's like, even if intellectually you know, no. okay yeah I hear what you're saying like don't let you know the thing your past dictate you not trying but taking that first step yeah. overcoming that moment of fear yeah. do you have any like tips that you do if you do feel like that is it you just repeat like that your family supports you or like what does that look like it's just looking at the evidence like you you can't deny the fact that anyone who's good at what they do anyone who's successful has made a boatload of mistakes you know, and, and if you talk to the people who had a brilliant idea or an invention or a dream and it's stuck, um, they never tried. And they, they were really afraid. And those people are usually very, very perfect, you know. And um, I think a lot of that stems from our childhood. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I think it's really important that people, especially parents, encourage their children to make a boatload of mistakes and keep trying because that's the one thing successful people have in common is a bajillion messy failures. And failures make for the funniest stories. Like you're not interesting if you haven't had a million failures. Like the best dinners, the best conversations are you're like, oh my God, this is the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to me. Let me tell you how this went down. That's so much more fun than a perfect story. I'm just not interested in perfect people. It's not that cute. It's not that fun. I don't know what life would be like if I didn't have a little bit of an adrenaline rush happening in my life at all times. So I'm always looking for something that's going to be new for me. And usually that means it's going to be messy. Yeah. I love that. You always say messy, which is great. <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So you also posted something that I found fascinating when you said win winners do this and you had a list of different ones. I chose the one that I found fascinating that I really wanted to talk mm. to you about. So you said winners focus on one thing mm. and you said being ADD, <sighs> you've learned you have to focus. How do yeah. you do that? Yeah, I think the more creative you are and the more um, multi-interested and the splintered, easier it is to splinter your attention, the more incumbent is, it is upon you to manage your focus. And that was probably my greatest obstacle was I never learned how to focus or finish anything as a kid. Mm -hmm. I was always encouraged to, oh, try that for 10 minutes and then I could quit. You know, and they would say, oh, try that, try that. I never learned to focus. I was usually doing five things at once and acknowledged for that and realizing I'm never going to be good at anything if I don't, like, focus on one thing. If you think about when you're growing up, there's that kid who's great at basketball, that girl who's awesome at gymnastics, um, the, the kid who's a great actor. Like, you know, and I always wanted to, I want to be great at something someday. And I kept trying a million different things, assuming... Well, that thing will reveal itself. I'll just, I, I'm okay at all these things, but like the thing that I'm really good at is just going to pop up in front of me until I, I just realize like, no, that's, that's actually not working out so well. Mm. I just need to pick one. And the way I recommend people do this is by creating safeguards. So you have to give other people permission to keep you on track, mm. especially if you're one of those people who's like, let's try this, let's do this. Now I'm doing that. Now I'm into this. You got to give someone permission to call you out, which for me was my husband. Um, and then you have to know the things you fixate on because those become distractions. And every time we're distracted, we're, we're losing momentum and energy towards the thing that we're focused on. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's when I work for a period of like three hours about my, you know, deep concentration time, uh, my phone goes on silent. I don't open up any browsers. I don't have notifications that go to my phone or my desktop. Um, I'm very clear about my boundaries to my family and friends. So they know like you can't reach me during these hours. And um, I hide myself away so that I'm not distracted by other people's conversations. Because I'm easily distracted, I try not to network much. Because every person I meet, I'm like, oh, we should be best oh, friends. Yeah. <laughs> I should be doing what you're doing. Let's go on vacation <laughs> together, you know? So I'm like, I can't have new friends. I'm, it's, you know, it's a distraction. And I, I just really try to look only at my race and not at what everybody mm -hmm. else is doing. Because when I'm looking at what everyone else is doing, it looks like, oh, that looks like something I should be mm -hmm. doing. But I never feel good if I don't finish what I'm working on. So I always say, pick one... I know you have five things that you're good at. I know you have five ideas and five different things that could work. Pick the one that has the most obvious opportunity right now. It doesn't have to be the one that's your life's calling. Pick the one that's the obvious opportunity right now. I saw an opportunity in fitness. 
But my love and my passion, the thing I've been doing since I was a kid is entrepreneurship. I love it. But I had to wait by focusing on an opportunity first. Mm. How did you create those habits? So, you know, because I, I keep reminding myself, you're the person that was working 90 hours a week and now you go to like, I'm doing three hours a day, super intense, I'm gonna focus, I'm not gonna open browsers. How do you change that habit? Mm. Because I find myself, as much as I tell myself, like as I was doing your research, researching, you know, this, all these podcasts and all your tips, and I was like, this is amazing. And you're talking about, for instance, um, your environment. Mm -hmm. And you said you need to just figure out how to create a great environment so that you're not distracting every two seconds. And I was like, but that's a waste of time, because that's how I think, right? Like being tidy is a waste of time. And then you said, the amount of time you waste looking at something. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I do that. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh my God, that's exactly what I do. As I'm sitting here researching yeah. you, I'm looking at the corner of my eye that I had, you know, like my headphones just sitting there and the book's sitting yes. there and it was distracting. Yes, 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 yes. How do you create the habit to then switch that so that you focus, so that you yeah. don't open the browsers, so that you're able to tidy your space for those three hours intense yeah. research? Well, the first step for me was to invest in personal development. Like any, any skill you don't have, there's someone out there who's like the genius at it. For me, my heart is with Brian Tracy. I really like learned how to focus by studying everything that he created okay. on that subject and then making your own systems. And I had to understand why that upset me if the bed's not made or the house isn't organized mm -hmm. is because it's in my subconscious all day. I am In my head, I might be working on assignment, but I'm toggling back and forth to the fact that there's dishes in the sink and my clothes are on the floor upstairs. And, and you might not realize it, but especially for women, it's in your subconscious. So now I realize the way I develop that habit is by focusing on the reward. Yeah, it takes an extra couple of minutes for me to make my bed or to hang up my clothes after I've tried on five pairs of pants, right? But knowing that I'm going to be so much more productive when I sit down and I know everything is in order mm -hmm. and it won't be messing with my head, it won't be hanging over the back of my head subconsciously while I'm trying to, to really be focused. So I can work much more effectively and therefore I have more time because I don't want to work more. I want to have more time. Mm. So for me, it was learning that and also that I had to stop wanting credit for everything mm. and doing it myself. It wasn't that I thought I was the best person to do it because a lot of us are afraid to let go of control or to delegate. Mm. And we think it's because, well, no one can do it as well as me. But for me, becoming really self-aware meant realizing I wanted credit. What do you think you wanted credit for? What was it filling? I wanted you to think I was amazing, mm. that I could do all of these mm. things. Like, I wanted you to just be blown away that, really, you did all, Martha Stewart and Shalene Johnson all rolled up into one. Like, I want people to be really, then I realized, like, what do I, that's, at what cost? I'm not living my life if I'm trying to do all these things myself when somebody else can do it better. And if I truly want to work less, live more, I have to empower people. The bigger your dream is, the more powerful your team needs to be. Mm. If, if, if you don't have a team around you, you've, you are the ceiling on your dream. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So if you had to give, let's say, two or three tips on how people can build the habits to not be distracted. Because mm -hmm. um, like I said, I, I try and I'm like, all right, you're not going to pick your phone up for an hour. And then I hear it vibrate, and I'm like, oh, but. and then yeah. before I know it, I'm 30 minutes in, I'm like, oh God, I've, I've picked up my phone five yeah. times, but I don't realize I'm doing it. Yeah, so I have a word. Yeah. Oh. I, my word, I say wait. 
when I catch myself. Okay. But you have to learn to catch yourself. Yeah. Uh, an example of that might be I will open up Instagram with the intention of posting something to my own feed. And I open it up and I'm on my, I'm, I'm like, oh, what's that person doing? And, I, and I'll say, wait. Okay. And give myself, like, okay, you can go back to the after you do what you need to do. So I say, wait. And then it is literally having physical boundaries. Right? So if I know I'm going to be on my phone to fall asleep at night, then I have to physically move it. So I can't trust myself mm. not to just go into my own, you know. So I will have to physically move it away. I need, I need a lot of layers. Everybody needs a lot of layers of accountability. Like just telling yourself it's the right thing to do is not enough. Mm-hmm. Have physical layers. Have other people that you give permission to do that. Have alarms. I have alarms on my phone that go off to remind me to do certain things and then, um, or not do certain mm-hmm. things. All those reminders okay. help. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, and then another thing that you said winners do, and you mentioned it earlier where you say, um, you say no. Mm. So um, <laughs> I love that you say when you say no, don't give reasons why. Why do we do this? I yeah, find myself still doing it. Like, I want to give them a reason. I don't want them to think I'm mean and being yes. horrible and just saying no because I yes. don't. But sometimes I'm like, I just want to hang out with my husband. Yes. And so I've, I've started almost being honest about that and being like, I'm sorry. So Saturdays for me is my, my date day with my husband. I don't get to see him much. So talk to me about saying no and why we give excuses or reasons, not even excuses, reasons, and mm-hmm. how you stop yourself from doing that. Well, we do it because we're people pleasers. We, we mm-hmm. care about other people. I know that's why I do it. Um, and so I would like to encourage people who struggle with that to, instead of saying no, to say, I would love to, I just can't right now. Thank you so much for offering. So I think it's important for us to learn that when we are saying yes, we're saying no to something perhaps far more important to us, mm. right? Um, and a great example is, Someone reached out to me today that I don't particularly want to spend a day with. And they're coming to my area. And I thought, oh, I should give all the reasons why I can't. And, oh, these are legitimate reasons. Right. And I was going to send them like, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And instead, I was like, no, wait. Just say, I wish I could. Unfortunately, it won't work this week. And I didn't have to give all the reasons. Mm-hmm. You know? I love that. I'm going to use that wait. That's really good. Yeah, just wait. say to yourself, like, wait. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one that I pulled from your um, to be a winner is if you believe you can, you will. Yeah. Um, talk to me about the power of belief and how that has played into your mindset and success. I just think it's true. What you believe is true. My husband and I, when we, we used to have this group that would meet uh, on Tuesday mornings at 5 a.m. We called ourselves the three percenters. And we invited a group of you know, other professionals, people in different businesses, different stages of their business. And we just wanted to be around like, you know, people who are really inspired by growth and doing big things. And we would meet and we'd spend about an hour and each week we would write down our goals and share them. It was kind of like a mini mastermind. Mm. And one of the exercises, which was my suggestion, I said, let's everybody write down where you want to be five years from now. And I thought, oh, I came up with this idea. So this better, it better sound like pretty bougie. So I wrote, you know, we will have sold our company. We will be living on the water. We will be. And I remember thinking, I'm going to read this. And I guess it's within the realm of possibilities, but I don't know if I'm going to, I don't know if right now I believe that's where we'll be. I believe it's possible. Mm. I don't know if I I believe that's where we'll be. Mm -hmm. And we are. But 
as long, and, and so we, we put too much weight into the word belief. I think it's like, is it, do you believe it's in the realm of possibilities, mm. right? If it's in the realm, then you believe that's enough. Start moving towards it. State it. Put it out to the universe mm. because, and put it in writing. That's why I always have a, like, you know, before we start, I said, can I get a pen? Because if something amazing happens to me or, or there's something I want to remember that you said, Lisa, I need to write it down because then I put it into the universe and it's like a direct line to God in my mm. mind. There's something so powerful about taking your own handwriting and forming each letter and it, it just, you're searing it into your subconscious and you begin to work on it even when you don't realize it. And little did I realize so many of those things on that five-year plan, I didn't work towards them. I did that that morning and forgot about it. And later I found that piece of paper. I'm like, holy, that's so crazy because I wasn't even really thinking we were going to do this. But I believed it was possible. Mm -hmm. And how much do you think the reverse is true when someone doesn't believe it, that they won't achieve it? I remember yeah. uh, you gave a story about how someone wrote to you about your house and was like, oh my God, I would never have, I, I could never have a house like yours, but, and you were like, why couldn't you have a house like mine? Yeah. Um, do you think that that is the same thing, the same truth? When, when people will write to me and they'll say, um, I'm thinking about your new fitness program or your new health program, but nothing has ever worked for me and I just feel like this won't work for me either. Mm -hmm. And I would say, you're right. You're right. It's not the time. Don't waste your money on this yet. If you believe it's in the realm of possibilities, yes. But if you do not believe it's going to work for you, it will not. Mm. If you believe that you, you are in a horrible marriage, it's a horrible marriage. If you believe your job sucks, your job sucks. If you believe that you're unattractive, you're unattractive. Like These things are truths because you believe them to be so. And that is a hard thing for a lot of people to accept. And they, I think they, they think to themselves, well, do I really believe that I'm beautiful or do I really believe I could be a millionaire? Just ask yourself, do you believe it's in the realm of mm. possibilities? Mm. Because if it is, that's what you should focus on, yeah. not the obstacles. Yeah, I love that. When we have obstacles, they, we fixate on them. Um, so I grew up in Michigan riding motorcycles. And that was one of the first things my dad taught us. We rode trials. And they're kind of like... Um, you have to ride over this like kind of, it's not speed. It's like you have to ride over crazy terrain and make it over logs and rocks and through rivers. And every time you put your foot down, you get a deduction. And so you see these obstacles on the course that are next to you. And if you look at them, my dad taught us when we were really young, you run into it, mm -hmm. right? Whatever you look at, like if you've ever gone skiing or snowboarding, you know, whatever you look at, you run into. So don't fixate on your obstacles, fixate on your, the direction. You don't even have to know the exact address of your finish line. Just generally know what direction you're headed in. I love that analogy. Yeah. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> All right, what's your superpower, girl? You've got so many, but if you had to choose one. Um, empathy. Mm. Yeah, I think that when I say it's a superpower, meaning it, it gives me joy and happiness. And, and when I think about the things that make me happy, it's people and getting to know people and understanding people and helping people and all of that is fueled by um, empathy and, and you know an emotional IQ mm. uh, those are things that make me happy do you think that that has helped you get to where you are today oh yeah for sure you know I, I haven't sold tens of millions of exercise DVDs because I know a lot about fitness I understand people mm. you know and I understand what they're thinking and feeling and and when you understand people it's much easier to translate that into whatever problem you're trying to solve. 
you just understand like okay what motivates what, what makes people happy what motivates people mm. Amazing. Yeah. And where can people find you and all the great stuff that you're doing I'd love to have people listen to the podcast the Shalene show uh, especially because people watching this they they're into personal growth mm. so I think you'll love the Shalene show and then I'm most active on uh, Instagram and I'm Shalene Johnson on Instagram Awesome. All right, guys, you got to go check her out. So freaking entertaining. I'm telling you, all her videos, her posts are so motivational, but come from such a real, real place. So go check her out if you haven't already. And if you're not subscribed, subscribe. Click that little subscribe button down there. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. And until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.